My name is Carrie Barber, and I'm a member of the women's teaching team at LifePoint Church. Welcome back to our second week study of the book of Jonah. This week, we're going to be studying Jonah chapter 1, verse 7 through 16. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. The Bible is first and foremost about God. Second, it is about his people and his relationship with people. There is so much to learn in this small book of Jonah, and a lot of it is about God's character. But if you let it, it can get a little lost behind the person of Jonah and the big fish. Part of that is because we remember the big fish from childhood and possibly didn't take another look as we became an adult. Maybe we think we knew the whole story. It might be because the whole idea of a being swallowed by a big fish seems so unbelievable that we dismiss the book altogether. It could also be that it's such a small book and it kind of gets lost in the Bible among the other important books. I'm here to tell you that it is all important. Every book of the Bible is the inspired Word of God and has something to teach us about God, His character, His ways, and His relationship with people. Let's dig into this week's study and see what we can learn about God and His relationship to us as His people. We're picking up in the middle of a story today. And here's a quick reminder of what has happened so far in verses 1 to 6. God speaks to Jonah. God tells Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites. Jonah was called by God to intervene because the Ninevites are behaving in a very wicked way. Jonah judged the people of Nineveh. Jonah judges the people of Nineveh as not worthy of God's grace and mercy. So, spoiler alert, Chapter 4, 2b, Jonah is speaking to God and says, I know that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah knows God's character and has judged the Ninevites as not worthy of God's love. Jonah tells the sailors that he's running from God. Jonah knows what he is doing. He's disobeying God. I've disobeyed in my life but I can't remember a time that I actually confessed well in the middle of the act. This is an incredibly bold action on Jonah's part. A violent storm comes up, which is not a coincidence, but God sent. This lets us know from very early in the story that God is going to accomplish what he has planned. And there's very real consequences of our actions and our disobedience. 
consequences that could affect not only our own life, but also the lives of others. This is the very important part of our lesson this week. There are consequences for disobedience. Concerning this storm, it says that it is so bad that everyone cried out to their own God, but the storm rages on. The leader or captain of the ship takes note of this and goes looking for Jonah. He's hoping to save his boat and the crew. Recognizing that all other gods have failed to calm the storm, the captain tells Jonah to get up and call on his own God, and maybe he will take note of the situation and save us. Essentially, this leader is trying another way to solve a very real problem that he may lose his boat and everyone that is on board. Now we pick up in this week's study. In verse 7, the sailors have decided in the midst of all this crazy storm to cast lots. They're looking to place blame, and to do that, they need to find the guilty party. They want to know who is responsible for this awful situation, which they feel could cause their own death. This is a life-or-death situation here, and they decide to gamble on a solution. This reminds me of being a child, picking teams, and that silly method of saying, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, make him pay $50 every day. My mama told me to pick the very best one, and you are not it. Then somebody would be eliminated, and then the choice would start all over again. Anyone else do that? What about the famous pick up a flower and pull away the petals? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. With that one, if you thought you were in love and you did not end on the right choice, you threw away the flower and tried again, right? Anyway, this method is to try to get an answer or to make a decision without really having any responsibility for the outcome. We thought we were being fair and that everyone had the same chance, so essentially, don't blame me for the outcome. There are many references in the Bible where casting of lots are used. Remember at the cross, the guards were casting lots to see who got the clothing of those who were being crucified. This is noted in both Matthew and Luke. This was more like a gamble. However, It is clear that in many cases, the casting of lots was employed to hear the will of God or to have God choose. Joshua noted several times that he will cast lots in the presence of God so everyone would know what God wanted. Essentially, God's choice. In Jonah 1.7b, we find that the lot fell on Jonah. God is speaking to the ungodly and to Jonah. The responsibility for this storm is on Jonah. Apparently, Jonah was right there to see the outcome because we're told in verse 8 that the sailors started with rapid-fired questions to Jonah. What did you do? Where did you come from? What is your country? From who are your people? This seems strange to me in the midst of the storm where you fear your death. You want to know the answers to all these questions? But Jonah steps up and takes the opportunity to declare God. He answers their questions and then boldly declares, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who makes the sea and the land. This is an important statement. There were many gods back then. As noted in verse 5, the sailors had cried out to their own gods. These were false gods in the Old Testament, and many were named after natural things. These are gods of the sun and stars, moon, plus animals, and even animals crossed with humans. They were worshipped for the harvest, fertility, favor, prosperity, and more. We know that these gods were false idols without the power and love of our God. 
For Jonah to declare that his God, our God, is who made the sea and the land meant that God was a creator. God had dominion and authority over the exact thing that they were battling, the storm. What was their response to Jonah's statement? Complete fear, saying, what have you done? This again was trying to assign blame or to find a reason for this terrible storm and how they might be able to stop their potential demise. They all thought they were going to die. Verse 11 then says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. The sailors then asked Jonah, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Without realizing it in the middle of all this chaos, the sailors recognized that God was in control of the seas and the fact that Jonah running from God was the real problem. Jonah then understands how his sin, how his running from God, has affected this boat, the cargo, and all of these people. He knows that all of this is his fault. Therefore, he accepts the responsibility and offers his life to save them. Verse 12 says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. How does Jonah know this to be true? Did God tell him? Was the feeling guilty about running from God? Was Jonah hoping to die? Is death better than listening to God? Was Jonah's understanding that he would have to pay the price, essentially deal with the consequences for his running from God? Sisters, disobedience always has consequences. Sin always has consequences. It may be small, or it may be a major storm that affects you and all those around you, your family, friends, and even possibly innocent bystanders. It may be as small as missing a blessing that God had for us, and we may never even know about it. The consequence may be brought on by God or simply be the result of our own actions. Don't blame God if you're caught stealing and you end up in jail. God doesn't have to take that action. Society may very well do that as a result of your poor choice. Jonah doesn't look to the heavens and say, God, what are you doing? I only walked away. Surely someone else can do what you've asked. Or it wasn't really a good time for me. Surely you understand that, right, God? Or stop this storm and the potential harm it may cause. I've learned my lesson. Next time, I promise I'll listen. Or it was only once, God. I don't deserve this, and they don't deserve this. There are so many excuses he could have come up with. Some that I probably have come up with in my life even, but Jonah doesn't. Jonah essentially confesses and offers his life so that everyone else can be spared. Jonah gives the sailors permission to get rid of him. They don't have to come up with this idea on their own. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. This is everyone working as a team towards a common goal, getting to land, for a worthy purpose, to save the ship and everyone's life. However, man's efforts and goals are not greater than God's plans. His plan will prevail. His plan is perfect, even if we don't see it. In verse 14, the sailors see that their futile efforts are not going to work and even acknowledge that Jonah's God is powerful and worthy to be prayed to. They cry out to the Lord, O Lord, Please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Through Jonah's testimony about God, the mariners believed that God was who Jonah said, the creator of the land and sea, the God of heaven. 
They prayed, believing that God held the power to judge them. They asked for forgiveness while acknowledging God's power. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. This result happened when they stopped trying to self-correct or solve the situation themselves. Even when you don't understand the situation or wonder how on earth it can get this fixed, God can use it. Have you ever been there? Trying to fix something, make it all better, or change an outcome? Trying, working, struggling, sometimes without even asking God? Or even if you do, talk to God. Trying to hurry things up or make it better. This is one I am guilty of. I often sin by feeling like, if something is going to get done, I need to do it. God often has to remind me that although I am as His hands and His feet, I am not the power behind the actions. His plans will be carried out in His time, which is, of course, the perfect time, even when I don't see it or understand it. At this instant, calming of the sea, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him, thankfulness for the answer to prayer. Here is where we will leave the story hanging. Until next week, all good dramas will leave you with a cliffhanger, and so will I. What will happen to Jonah and the Ninevites? Stay tuned. From this week, take away several key points. What did we learn about God? God is sovereign, meaning having supreme authority. God is all-powerful, having the control of all His creations. God's plan and timing is perfect, even if we don't see it. God is patient giving Jonah time to acknowledge his mistakes and sin, plus those of the Ninevites. More to come about them. God wishes that none should perish. He uses Jonah's sin to reach the sailors. God is loving, offering calm after the storm. God uses his people. Often his requests are as much for our benefit as for those we are addressing. What do we learn about people? We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We cannot outrun God. We cannot change God's plans or timing through our own actions and efforts. Sin has consequences. Disobedience has consequences. Consequences may be brought on by God or may simply be the result of our own actions. And confession can change outcome. We all have choices. I pray that you will choose God and experience His great love, grace, mercy, and blessing all the days of your life.